Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 195. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed author of Wild Worlds, Mitch Larkins. Hey, hey. Mitch, how are you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. Yeah. So, you know, before we get before we went on the air, we were just talking about um, your the genre that you work with, which is called mm-hmm. Lit RPG. Is that how you pronounce it? Is that? Yes, yeah, sir. Before we talk about before we talk about Wild Worlds and 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 Lit RPG, uh, tell tell us a little bit about how you kind of got into writing. So, um, I've always been big into writing and and art and stuff. And I grew up in a a small, small town with one traffic light. So not many people were readers there. So I didn't have uh, uh, many friends that would explore that kind of passion with me until a little bit older. But I actually published a fantasy book like when I was 20. Basically on a dare. Yeah, my granddad was like, oh, you'll never become a published author. I was like, oh, well, now it's a challenge. So I managed to get one published. Um, Obviously, it didn't sell very well. Um, cause I had no clue what I was doing cause I was 20. Um, so I did publish one years ago and I just dropped it for a while. And then there was a, uh, you know, was that I the was... untold tales of Exodia? Yes. Yeah, man. You did do your research. Goodness. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I published that and you know, it was fun and I just was like, okay, well I've done that. So let me just drop right. writing cause nobody's going to ever read this stuff. Um, and then during my various misadventures, um, I came ac- across a, a Facebook page called Author's Tale, and they were doing a charity event, um, kind of like how Perspectives was. I said, like, you know, let me see if I could still write, you know, if anybody will uh, read this stuff. So I just threw something together, and they actually, you know, they voted on it, and they picked that as one of the stories. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I should come back to this. And mm. I played around with a few stories, and then eventually that spawned, you know, I got a couple of failed manuscripts that I never finished. Um, and then uh, Iseki, uh anime manga and light novels started coming out in Japan. I started reading them. I was like, man, I'd really like to write like an RPG type story. And like, I started playing WoW. And the wild, first Wild Worlds is basically my struggle of getting back into WoW. I, I played Burden Crusade years ago, barely. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, there was not very good internet where I lived. Um, so I get back into it with a buddy and he basically was, you know, level 100 or whatever it was during, uh, mist and legion. I forget the, the level caps then. And he had to just, he basically drug my character that around by its throat and just power leveled me. It was like, okay, here's the mechanics. So that's where the inspiration for the overall story for, um, the first wild worlds came from was this, this person having to take somebody under their wing and just be like, you know, I'll just handle everything. You just watch me and try not to get killed. <laughs> and so, so talk to us a bit about wild worlds then. So that's your, so there are, there's how many books in wild worlds and what do you've had? Out so so there's, far? there's currently three. I got, I, I published two okay. under severed press and then I decided to try to um, take it under Amazon. And again, I'm completely ignorant on, there's a big difference between writing and publishing. And so now I'm, I'm going to work on getting those republished. I'm going to edit them a little bit more, added a couple of um, pretty pictures in there, hopefully, and, and hopefully republish all three of them and then keep the story going. Cause I've got plans for 
a lot of books in that series. Mm. So, that, and, so that's where we're, we're they're probably delisted right now, but they're coming back eventually. Okay. Yeah, hopefully, in the next couple years at least. Okay, and and talk to us a bit about Wild Worlds. Give us a bit of the of what the setting is like. How did you build the world? And so the the world is it's actually a, a spacefaring uh, universe. So okay. Um, again, all my inspiration was like trying to just trying to go big with with as much as possible, and I wanted I I, I took inspiration from not just World of Warcraft. I took it from Final Fantasy. I took it from even Warhammer 40,000. That's where I decided to go spacey with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to be able to just go into, hopefully in the future, far more insane environments. Um, but Wild Worlds 1 takes place on a, mostly on a desert planet where a lady crashes and she hatch, she finds somebody there with the skills that can repair her ship. However, his his part of the bargain is that he has to come with her and she trains him and power levels him up to, so he can survive on his own. Huh. So it's a, a person that doesn't want to mentor anybody uh, with somebody that is uh, kind of enthusiastic, obnoxiously enthusiastic about, about what he's going, what he wants. Um, and it's, it's just the, kind of their mentor student dynamic and her trying to keep him alive as, you know, not only giant monsters, exploding rabbit monsters come in, space pirates come in, they have to deal with them. And just them trying to survive. So so talk to us a bit. About, I'm very curious about the genre of lit RPG. Mm-hmm. So how overt are you in the story to say somebody is leveling up, for instance? Um, so I've... I, I'm very light on the stats um, mm. compared to a lot of a lot more um, books and series out there are really dense with the, with describing the stats and how everything meticulously is built. I kind of left mine intentionally vague to be like an entry point, not only for for new readers into the genre, so they don't get overwhelmed with numbers, especially if you're not a fan initially of RPGs because it's a lot of numbers in like D and D and. Mm. and what have you so mine's relatively light but they do discuss how the mechanics work how the stats work you know they have speed dexterity strength endurance health luck intelligence and wisdom um they 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 do discuss all those stats um get how to get experience uh, unlocking special powers things like that when when you start off as basically a level zero right. that, um once you get your class and once you pick your class, and then you have to start leveling up from there by doing a multitude of things. However, I also incorporated um, a type of leveling where working out, you know, if you lift weights, your strength will increase naturally. One of my favorite games growing up was Dark Heart. Was it Dark Harvest? I am no, Hybrid Heaven. I am sorry. I am blanking on everything. It's been a long day for me. Hybrid Heaven, which. Um, it w- was a turn-based fighting type game, but like the more you performed a move, the better you got at it, or the more mm. times your arm got damaged, the arm would level up in endurance and stuff. So I wanted something similar to that. And although people hate it, I enjoyed the the leveling system of Final Fantasy II, where that would happen. The more you get hit, the your health and defense would go up. 
So mm. they incorporate some of that into these stories. And and so so talk to us a bit about the the world that as you as you as you made the world. They kind of mm-hmm. describe what were some of your, your your inspirations on it. But when you decide to write mm-hmm. this, did you have a character arc in mind, or did you kind of like open up a big piece of paper and just start mapping out, you know, cultures and societies and religions and currencies and stuff like that? How did you, how would you do that? So when I started off, I started off with a simple premise of what if I had a mentor that just hated having to be a mentor? Like <laughs> Obi-Wan that was like, my God, why do I have to do this? Um, that's where the, the start of it was. And then I was like, okay, well, what do I need? Where do I go from here? And then I was like, you know, I want the, the mentor to be like, not necessarily elegant, but they're the ones that have all the top tier equipment. They've got the rare unlocked classes. Mm. Um, Uriel starts off as a, a knight and an angel is her class. And, and Byron, her, her apprentice is a brawler and a gadgeteer. And, Within the in-game stats, because they can contrast so much, brawlers require a lot of heavy strength, and you you don't need intelligence or wisdom for it. But right. but for uh, gadgeteer, you need to put all, every every extra point into intelligence and wisdom and, and things like that. They clash, so it's like the worst possible combination for this world. So he's having a struggle with this these this class combination, um, as opposed to something she's got that intentionally complements each of the strengths of her classes. Um, so I, then I was like, well, you know, I've got to build out every other type of class. So I started off with the standards, the knight, the, the, the paladin, there's priest, uh, wizard, sorcerers, general spellcasters, gunslingers. So I was like, let's, let's get a little weirder. I've got one where you, where you're, um, a wizard, but you specialize in summoning bugs right. and taming bugs, almost, almost like a Pokemon master in a way. Um, I've got, um, ninjas in there and, psychics and warlocks Th- those classes haven't shown up not all those classes have shown up yet but I've, i had to build those out when you reference currency i was the best some of the best inspiration is real life it's like well how many currencies are out in the world you know right. there's dozens at the very least how many have been through the centuries i actually own um a piece of currency in the shape of a dolphin from greece from right. like year 30 bc or something like that so you know, I, that's what some of my inspiration is. So there's there's stuff called crowns and thrones, which I think is refer- a reference to something. You know, there's the classic gold, silver. There's dollars. There's digital dollars. You know, it, cryptocurrency inspired stuff. It's you know, and so you have to carry around a multitude of currency because some planets might not accept it. Uh, then from there, I was like, well, why would they accept it? Well, that now we have to build out world governments. Where do I want the hierarchy to sit at? Um, you know, you know, with space travel, how am I going to justify fast and light travel? How do I want to justify that? So they travel through for for uh, cross galaxies, they go through uh, warp tubes, basically. Mm. So you know, things like that is how I, you know you just take a problem and you're like, well, how do we fix it in the real world? And then how do I make it a little more fantastical? As a writer, you're always trying to look for for hint for for creative ways of like naming characters you know, making mythological references or references to real life events. But then, you know, sometimes you got to be ridiculous where, well, this is Bridgetown because they're next to a bridge. And then you're like, nobody's ever going to think that's a real name. But then you got to realize there's um, an urban legend about a hill with the, 
with a name that once you translate means heal, 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 heal in like the UK somewhere. It's like humans do ridiculous stuff in their naming conventions all the time. So we can yeah. we can do like the really detailed stuff and then sometimes we can just be ridiculous. Yeah, this is green town because everything's green around it. Right. So I'm I'm also curious about the genre itself is looking at it from the perspective of video games and looking at the perspective of, of writing a fantasy novel where you kind of follow a character's story arc where you do, there is a level of decay or deterioration or sunsetting of a character because you look at, as you mentioned, Obi-Wan Kenobi, for instance, is he does end up growing older and getting not as powerful. How do you balance the role playing, the, the video game role playing game, where the, it's just exponential growth continuously. You never get, you never get to you say level one hundred, and just you're not as powerful as you are at level fifty. You're just going to keep getting more and more powerful. Right. How do you, how do you, as a writer, how do you give that hero's journey, or that 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 story of that that bell curve of the sense where you get to be powerful, but then it's time to move on, kind of situation. Well, well, you don't like not every not every conflict has to be a battle where you could just right. brute force your way through. Some things are going to require subtlety. Some things will have to require you. You know, you can't. You know, you can't just take a a massive, uh, let's say, fireball in space to right. to to finish off a, a villain. Or sometimes you have to think things through. Um, even though you have the strength to move a mountain, you know, like if I do this, then it's going to turn the world against me. Can I beat everybody in this, on this planet? Okay, I might be level 100 to do that, but then right. guess what? That's going to uh, make everybody else in the system mad and then more and more. So you could always do things like that. You can, the conflict might have to become a nonviolent or a creative resolution. Um, within the, the, the world's Bible itself, it's like there's healing items that can heal you from practically the brink of death or beyond if it's a powerful rare enough item however right. uh there could be risk to that that you know maybe somebody wasn't strong enough to survive a resurrection spell or maybe right. there's a time limit on when the resurrection spell can happen or if a individual isn't either leveled up enough to to develop you know a type of healing factor right or they're they they're just in the middle of the woods and they're injured by something they're probably going to die, or if they are able to recover, they're going to have to take the long path on healing, which will naturally degrade a, a person, no matter you know if it's Bruce Lee or Otto Schwarzenegger or whomever. You know, if they don't work right. out, if they don't exercise, they're going to lose something. And that same thing would apply into this fantasy world as well. Even so, their stats can fluctuate, okay, um, because it's still their real life from their perspective. Right. Okay. And so when you, when you look at it from that perspective, is like how writing a genre like this, where you, are you, where you put in your own stats and stuff, does this make it easy to translate into making your own tabletop game for wild worlds as well? Do you know, I've, I, I'm, I'm, I've specifically developed wild worlds that it could become something else. Um, I right. wanted it to be um, fun and adventure enough. Like, it's a wishful thinking. Where's my magic lamp? But you know, it, it would be a fun TV show, or it could even become a tabletop um, type of game. That's why I went ahead and built out thirty or forty different classes, even though we've only seen a fraction of that in the actual books themselves. Um, I've built out dozens of planets, dozens of you know my 
my my Bible with characters and plots and, and worlds and locations, it's almost as long as the first book. Wow. And just because I have all this back stuff, just in case. Right. Um, I like to do I like to do a lot of uh, world building at the, the front end of things. And then sometimes I'll have to slide stuff in like, well, how would this situation work out politically based off what I've built for this planet or the, the solar system at large, you know, the, the rulership, then I have to think about that. Then I'm like incorporating that and to the, um, to the Bible itself. So yes, this could, I, I did intentionally make this to where it in theory one day it could translate into a game. So when it comes to, as you said, you had like about 40 different character classes from a lit RPG quote unquote game mechanic perspective, how do you balance to make sure each class is not overpowering a different class? Well, that's the great thing is that I'm not necessarily worried about balancing the classes because at the end of the day, it's how the characters themselves utilizes it. Okay. Um, you know, somebody might take, somebody might max, like the way they personally stat themselves, they may have overwhelming power. Um, and while that might be an OP class in theory, you know, because they've they've specialized in one way, they will, you know, a, a, a brawler that can rip spaceship holes apart, you know, that long range fighter over there, well, guess what? He's got, he's got a, a missile launcher that's also magically enhanced that's built specifically to wear out all your natural defenses or magical defenses. It's so a lot of it is based on how creative can the characters, and I guess me, how creative can the characters be when encountering something based off their past experiences in general. That's one of the things with uh, Byron as a gadgeteer and brawler. It's like, well, those classes are not meant to be combined. They're meant <laughs> to combine with a bunch of different other classes. Sure. Um, I've got one guy that's a gunslinger and a mage. So he's a spell slinger. So he uses magically enchanted bullets. So while that's, he can fire them off really quickly and he doesn't necessarily use his own personal mana. It's harder for him to cast a normal spell if he runs out of bullets, right. things like that. Um, I have one guy, he, uh, he has magic tattoos all over him that he can activate to boost his powers. Um, and he can, he's also got a really powerful weapon, but his main class is transforming into a monster. Well, if he transforms, he can't really use that hand item anymore. And if he doesn't activate his tattoos first, they go away. He can't use that boost. So it's all about incorporating that, um, circling back to Byron. You know, he's got to figure out how to incorporate tech into his punches and things. So maybe making bigger gauntlets, robotic gauntlets, maybe with weaponry. Um, and a lot of his stuff, you know, spoiler alert, a lot of his stuff later on is going to be more Bugs Bunnying ways, right. like setting up traps ahead of time and or releasing traps on the fly. And so I'm curious because you mentioned, you know, some inspiration from World of Warcraft, some inspiration from from Final Fantasy II, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, what what parts of your novel that you came up that as you're writing this that were just uniquely yours that you said, oh, I wish a video game or I wish a, a role playing game would do this thing that I just came up with? Um, oh, geez. Uh, well. One of my one of one of my things is, and I guess again, there's probably games out there that do it, and I guess technically WoW does it, but like, you know, I do like it when that you finally reach that plateau and you're as powerful as you can be. Some games don't let you go and backtrack, you know, mm -hmm. a new game plus of sorts. I do like right. it when games do that. Again, tons of games already do that. Uh, Chrono Trigger, uh, for one, uh, that might be right. the best example. Um, 
I think Earthbound has a new game plus, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what? Jeez, I don't know. Um, I've really, I the biggest thing I could say is I wish that an MMO was kind of like this, where it wasn't centralized to one, like small, relatively small location. Like WoW right. is mainly Azeroth, a couple of Dimension Hops, of course, but you know they don't really incorporate the the space faring, or they try to make this story where you're just kind of on the side. You know, okay. this this feels more like I, I built Wild Worlds to be like that you could imagine yourself in in this universe with a character that you built and that you're not stepping on any other character's toes. You can make your own completely unique planet um, that you can base adventures around that fan uh, fan writers could write their own fiction about, you know, running into these characters. Um, things like that. It's just like a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of games, especially MMOs, you feel like you're on a, a roller coaster, but you can't you can't deviate either way. You know, right. you're for the horde no matter what. You're back in Sylvanas or whoever's the current horde uh, war chief, or you're back in the alliance and all their dumb moves, and they keep calling you general this and general that. It's like, but you're still sending me out to kill rats, man. <laughs> it's like, so I want this. I want this to feel like anybody can jump in and make make it their own in a way that hey, I'm going to make a um, this type of combo class, and you know, I'm going to make this kind of planet within the wild world's realm, and it would be totally justifiable, you know, as long as you don't break any of my current canon where you go and kill my main characters. Don't do that, that'd be me, right? Well, it's kind of like what you the examples between, as they say, the difference mm-hmm. between an amusement park or a sandbox. Like, an mm-hmm. amusement park is you pretty much have to follow the lines, there's not a lot to do, or like Skyrim, mm-hmm. which is like sandbox where you can. Pretty mm-hmm. much do whatever you want. So uh, interesting. So you have you've had you have three books out of Wild World so far. You said correct. Yes, sir. Okay. And so let's talk a bit about. Um, so you so talk to us. How did you meet that get involved and get involved with ASAP Imagination? So I've, I, I'm on Twitter, right? You know, like everybody else is. Um, and I, I think I somehow misfriended. Uh, or started following Miss L.A. Cunningham. I, I don't know mm. if you've talked to her yet or not. Um, wonderful, wonderful person. And she just mentions, hey, there's this, they're working on this uh, charity anthology. I was like, well, I've done that one time. Let me see if I can do another one. Um, and I was like, because I really had this idea. I had, I had, well, I actually had written the story already. Um, and I was, and I couldn't figure out what to do with it because it was too short of a concept mm. to flesh out to something bigger. And it was relatively too short for just about anybody else to use, but for an anthology, it would be perfect. And she right. just happened to mention that there was an anthology being made. And I was like, cool, let me submit this and see what happens. And they picked it up. And it's like the first, like one of my friends had to point this out to me. This is how oblivious I am sometimes. She's like, hey, you're the first story in there. I'm like, they are putting a lot of pressure on me and my story <laughs> to be the first one. Because people are going to pick this up and be like, I don't know. And that was the hunted, correct? Yeah, I, I went through. A, I'm not very good with titles, unfortunately. Uh, so I had to go through a, a lot. Then finally, I just asked them. Once they picked it up, I was like, "Here's a couple of suggestions. Just whatever you think is going to be best, roll with it." And they they liked the hunted. So right. So talk to us about that, like uh, through the 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 anthology of perspectives, mm-hmm. and is there a a theme, a running theme that goes through the anthology? So for the well. 
so like the title says, it's all about perspectives on seeing things from different viewpoints, through different genres, through different types of mm-hmm. characters. Um, they, and there's a, a tons of different genres. Mine's mainly a horror one. There's some sci-fi ones in there, I believe, um, and a few others. But it, it's mainly that seeing things through others' eyes or seeing their world, uh, you know, or seeing our world itself through a different type of perspective. Mm. Um, so what was, so this is, you, you wrote this as a horror thing, but you're not, you've never really done horror before, correct? I don't, yeah, I've never really done horror. Horror is, you know, anybody could write like a nice explosion scene, right? Nobody could be like, oh, well, that was pretty cool. And, but horror is one of those really fine lines of a genre. It's so, it's so t- tricky to make a good mm-hmm. horror story. I mean, you see, you see it in movies all the time where it's like, well, I didn't find that scary while somebody else is like, well, I'm in my third pair of underwear because that was the scariest thing I've ever seen. And so I was I was really intimidated by the genre, but I had this story idea, and I was like, well, let me try it, you know? Right. If, if I don't like it, I can always delete it, and nobody will be the wiser. So what was so how did that work? Did you already have this, this story in mind and then this opportunity to submit to, a, to the anthology, or did you write this specifically for the anthology? I actually wrote it ahead of time. Okay. And, you know, it was just one of those ideas to kick around. And then I have uh, several very talented writer friends and they just read it for me for a laugh and they enjoyed it. And mm. so that boosted my confidence a little bit to submit to, to ASAP and anyone, uh, any, yeah, anyone worlds um, and try my hand there because they have a bunch of talented writers following them and they work with And I was like, oh, let me see if I can, I can keep up with these guys. Right. So, so talk to us about for for those that listen. We have a lot of writers that listen to the podcast and stuff, and things that would that are you know writers that are are looking to get published. Um, what would be your advice to to those uh, those potential writers and authors to um, the uh, the benefits of going in? with an anthology or writing your first book and then self-publishing it, for instance? I th- so one of the biggest things I see is people concerned about word counts. And mm. if your story is good, public publishers are say, hey, we want an 80,000 word story. If you're at 75,000 or 70,000 and they're like, this story is amazing, they're going to take it. So don't stress about word counts that much, first of all. First off, mm. um, you know, the, the, there's there's uh, exceptions to every rule. I'll say that. Um, you know, with uh, with something like an anthology, that would be that's a that's a great way of getting your feet wet because you know it's a five thousand words. It's a it's a few pages on right. average. That's a you know that's a great way to stretch stretch some of your creative legs. Um, you know. Uh, you can submit, and then guess what? You get that will get your foot in the door to meet not only a potential publisher or two, but other writers. And the uh, writing okay. community is such um, it's, it's so good to have other writers to give you ideas. Obviously, not not to steal or anything, but like to to help inspire you or for brainstorming sessions. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go to my other writers and be like, "How does this work? Or how do I make this work? Or what does this sound like?" Um, it, now, for beta reading, it's always good to get somebody that doesn't write to potentially do a beta read for you. But, you know, having a community around you uh, in general, even if you don't get published, if, if they're like in a group and you guys critique each other's work, 
that would just help make you get better. Um, however, I, I'm sorry, I want to have a couple of bits of advice, so I'm sorry if I ramble. One of the no other good. biggest things is don't take anything too personal. If any kind of criticism or rejections, don't take that personal. I had when I submitted to um, for Heart of the, a Child that author's tale one. Right. I had I had several uh, authors or several writers arguing over a single line of dialogue whether to keep it in or not, and I decided to keep it in because yeah, I, I was like, well, whatever. Um, because no two opinions are going to be exactly the same. Some people might think mm. the idea is brilliant. Some people might think it's awful. You know, do whatever's best for the story itself. If you think it's right. best for the story, leave it in there or take it out. At the end of the day, all, the story being as strong as it can be is what matters. Right. So you've done a couple of anthologies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then you mentioned before that you uh, – talk about writers groups mm-hmm. um you know, for a writer we might be asking the question how do i find a good writers group and how do i know it's a good writers group um really like if it's online you know usually their posts you might not be able to comment or anything but you should be able to see their posts and just see how the personalities are how people are are talking to each other just observe like that um if you meet a couple of decent writers you're they say never meet your heroes, but I've talked to some writers that I um, absolutely I idolize their work, and they've actually yeah. read my stuff. And when they messaged me, I was like, "Holy crap! Why are you wasting your time reading my stuff? You were writing like absolute masterpieces out there." Um, you know, you never know who you're going to stumble on, and don't be afraid just because you have one bad experience. Don't let that hinder you on doing mm. anything else. Um, I've just been really lucky and my quote unquote writing career that almost everybody I've met have, have been absolutely fantastic. Um, ASAP, um, Mr. Hayden, Mrs. Cunningham, um, you know, my, my, my friends over AT, all of them have been absolutely fantastic. Right. So what advice would you give a writer who says, uh, Mitch, I've been saving up money. I got $500 to help me get my first book published. What would your advice be to, what would you spend that $500 on? Um, an editor, find an editor. Hmm. Do not go vanity pub- publishing that publishers should be paying you either. Hmm. They'll pay you upfront an X amount of money. If you're really lucky and you get a literary agent or they will give you a contract that says, we're going to pay you a certain amount of royalties to publish your book. Don't go with vanity publishing. That's, that's a hollow victory. That's like going to the trophy store and just buying yourself the biggest trophy and to the world's greatest person ever. Don't do that. Save up your money, either pay for a good, uh, yeah, just pay for a good editor. Um, Mm. depending on the publishing company you go with, they will probably have an artist to do uh, cover work. You might, you, or you, you know, if you, if you're a professional editor on your own, or you've got a friend, they'll do it to you which I've had some great friends do my editing for me in the past for free. Um, you know, maybe some artwork, maybe a little bit of right. artwork, but editing is your editing will make or break uh, a good story. You can have mm. the best story in the world, but if nobody can read it and understand it, nobody's going to pick it up. Right. So you're saying like, absolutely that, how would you rank an editor in, in that? It's like, is that, as you say, that's, that's going to be a writer's best friend as a, as a good editor. A good editor. Um, 
somebody that's going to check for continuity for your, you know, hey, listen, you said this in this one section. Now you're saying this opposite thing here. Why are you doing mm. that? You know, not just checking your grammar, but checking that the, the story makes sense within itself and that you're keeping to the rules you established. Remember, nobody cares if your character can bench press 100 tons and shoot heat vision, but don't keep giving it powers as they go. Or, you know, if you say it can, he can only lift 50 pounds and all of a sudden he's carrying around, you know, uh, ship barges full of oil. Like, well, where, you know, or you say, I'm right. never going to kill. And then the very next sentence, he pulls out a gun and kills somebody. Like, <laughs> those things are very important. You have to stay true to the rules that you establish. Right. So you need an editor that's going to look for that kind of stuff. And again, but even, even red editors can fall to their own opinion. So you had the final say in there. And you can say, well, no, I want that line in there because right. of reasons. Or I want it worded specifically this way. So even when you use stuff like Hemingway or um, Grammarly, they're looking at a, at a strictly mathematical formula type of way of, of editing. They're not looking at the heart or soul of that sentence. So while your sentence may not be grammatically correct, um, the spirit of it is correct. You mentioned Hemingway. Is that kind of like Grammarly? What is Hemingway? Yeah, that's it's a... Just another editing app where it shows you like the strengths and weaknesses of your sentences, what your okay. overall um, reading, I guess your reading or writing level is at. Like, hey, this would work at a college grade level or like this is a grade level of writing. Not necessarily saying that your writing is that badly, but the way you're wording things is what the, the age range okay. um, of your of your story is. And where would you recommend for someone to find an editor? As you said, if it's not a vanity press, what would you, what would your, where could I, where could a, a writer find an editor? I mean, I can, I can plug my friend if, <laughs> if you want. Um, Cause I think she's great. Um, other than that, you just need to, a lot of, a lot of good editors are going to um, have reviews. You could search their names. You sh mm. Um, various websites. Again, the writing communities, you might say, hey, listen, I can swear by this editor or this one never got back to me after the, the first draft or they took my, right. they tried to take my money or run. Um, ask around. You know, word of mouth yeah. is so strong on every level. You know, restaurants live and breathe by it. Um, right. Movies live and breathe by it. And the same goes for a good editor. Um, and don't, again, and, and one last little bit, piece of advice is don't be, don't think, and this is kind of mean to say for, for all of us, but don't think that your, your story is so good that somebody's going to try to steal it because the moment you put it down on paper, it's, you know, and you've got timestamps to that document, it's, it's, your own, it's got a naturalized uh, copyright to it of sorts. So it's mm -hmm. legally yours. You can't copyright an idea, but once you've got that written down on paper, then you've kind of got, you've got more legal uh, foot footing. So don't be afraid to hand your story out a little bit. Well, yeah. th they say all the stories have been written. The right. but you know every story's been told. However, you haven't told it. So who cares if you're telling a Superman story again? We want to hear it from you. You know, right? I all of my stories are. I love I love adventure stories. You've you probably read them a thousand times, but you haven't read mine yet. I'm not saying mine's the best out there. I'm not saying mine's the worst, but it's from my perspective. I always write what I want to read, and anybody else that enjoys it is just a bonus for me. Mm. 
That's a good point. And you said that in a previous interview too, right? Mm -hmm. Write the kind of books that you want to read. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, comparing to your very first book, The Untold Tales of Exodia. Oh, that name hurts me. You can just say the first book. Well, just, you know, as a writer and artist, you know, you're always dreading the previous works, I guess. But that was like kidding me. Well, I guess my question is what what would you tell the kid you what advice would you give the kid you to that that you wish somebody told you after writing your fifth book what would oh that's a good one um what would I, you know um research more research more uh remember this was what 2004 so the internet was still a little a young and wild place so it was hard to find stuff again as a as a stupid kid um, but research more, try to figure out the rules of the publishing world. Um, you know, reach out, Hey, or, Hey, you should probably start this book. I, I made up 10 years later called wild world. Start writing that now, get your foot <laughs> in the door before this, this genre becomes super big. So yeah, ultimately though, do you feel it was important for you to write your first book in order to get moving? I think so. Um, again, I didn't, I didn't really pick up a pencil to write again for years afterwards um right however i felt like it was just it's uh, i hate sounding so pretentious and stuff but it's like you know as a as an artist or a writer it feels like you have to do this thing you know right. you have to get this story out these you, you like you develop these characters and you're like they want to to see the world and then we want the world to see them um, and that's how I feel like if I get a, if I go too far with a story idea, it's like these characters now exist. I have to get them out there. Um, mm. And again, I hate, I hate wording it. So artsy fartsy like that, but that's how I feel a lot of times where I'm like, Hey man, this would be a cool idea for a character. Well, now she exists or he exists. Okay. Well, here's a cool scene. I want to write them in. Oh, well now, now that scene has developed some more of their personality. Now I've got to do more for them. Um, and I'm juggling three manuscripts right now. Um, wow. because of that, because I'm like, well, this would be a cool scene, or this would be a cool character. And, you know, and that's that's what happened with my, with my next book coming out, too. Um, man, it was just an and idea you, that got out of control. Right, and so, but you self-published The Wild Worlds, correct? I, the first two, I went through a publisher called Severed Press. Uh, the third okay. one, I self-published. Um, and now I'm going to work with any one world, um, hopefully to bring it back in the near future. Um, after okay. I get a few more things done, unfortunately, I've had to put them on the back burner. But I'm oh, so you would take. Okay, so you're going to circle back to ASAP Imaginations with your Wild Worlds, your entire series, then. Yes, sir. So I'm going to I'm going to try to try to. Well, you know, we'll we'll work out right. the details. But they've shown an interest in doing it. So, um, okay. You know, and I don't. Fortunately, I don't have to edit or anything. They've all been fully edited. Um, I just want to include some extra stuff um, now that I've developed the world even further. Right. Right. And so, so you said, so you mentioned earlier that you have a lot of stories to tell on this, mm -hmm. on this point. Do you have an ultimate story arc that you want to follow with the character or you just love the, the world itself and you just want to tell as many stories as possible? So with the first three books I put out, so the first two books follow two main characters, Uriel and Byron. The third mm. one switches gears and follows an entire new cast. Wow. Okay. Um, 
And then the fourth book will be actually going back to Uriel Byron. And then the fifth book will bring all all those casts together. Oh wow. But one of one of my biggest things, and it goes back to my man, I wish there was a, a big sandbox MMO out there, is that I want to and that's why I purposely named it Wild Worlds as opposed to the adventures of Uriel and Byron is I want it to be like, I, at any point I could just write a book and be like, hey, here's a whole new planet with a whole new cast that I could just throw in there. Right. But Uriel and Byron are still doing their own things and everyone else is doing their own things. But here's just another story in this universe just to help show that it's big and that you can mm. be here too if you want to be. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so... I'm so curious. It's so, so Mitch, if, if people want to learn more about you as an author or, or follow your work, what would be the best place that they could go to right now? Um, Twitter, I don't really post that much about my writing, um, because I'm in the middle stages of, I've got a, a new book coming out with anyone world. Um, wild world is unfortunately currently on the back burner. I'm in the middle oh, of cool. book four, but then these other ideas came up, you know, um, so you can follow me on my Twitter at Mr. Beardsley. Um, I share a lot of, a lot of, I, I like to re retweet and share a lot of other writers and artists stuff. Cause I want, I want everybody to succeed. There's hmm. you know, people will reference like a pie, there's a pie. There's no such thing as a pie. Uh, there's not a limited audience out there. If you write what they want, they will get you. It doesn't matter, especially readers. It doesn't matter if they've got 50 other books, they're going to put yours in that to be read pile too so i'm trying i want everybody to succeed i want everybody to make a billion dollars off their writing or their art or whatever so uh, you can see me retweet stuff on twitter that's that's mainly where i'm mostly active um i and yeah and and they can and they can check out your stuff as well as we say it's like uh you, you have all your most of your books already that you can get it through amazon um, and if they're interested in looking at uh, perspectives, which, as you say, is you are the first, you're the first story in that book, they could go to ne1world.com and the book is available right there. Yep. Uh, you can grab a digital copy and, and remember that one, these per perspectives is, is for charity. So if you had a choice between buying like my Wild Words book on audio or whatever or perspectives, please buy perspectives because again, mm. it's for charity and they need the money more than I do. Obviously I want the readers and I do want sales, but I would much rather help a charity out, but than me being more successful or whatever. Mm. Um, but then just say that my book's the best one in that <laughs> just five stars, just because of mixing story. That's right. That's I'm right. Say, I will accept that. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Mitch. This has been great. And you got to come back on when you get your other, when you, when your next book is coming out. Absolutely. Um, we are, I'm in the finishing touches with my editor right now, my amazing editor. Um, hi, Crystal, if you watch this, but, um, yeah, it's, and it's actually a horror one that started off as a short story that expanded into a full novel. So, wow. uh, you get to, you get to pick apart my, my horror knowledge now, like, stressing me on all these i didn't study i didn't study i didn't study for this uh my video game lore unfortunately for this thing you, you got me but i'll get right. you next time yeah okay <laughs> good all right well thanks a lot mitch thank you man anytime it was an absolute blast
Now, what about the, oh, hang on, let me, I got so enthralled with your answer that I forgot my next question. I was all ready for it too. I'll just, this is the, this is the best part, Mitch. I can just edit this part out. So this is, it'll be smooth, smooth as, smooth as butter here. Um, 